You are listening to the Mom Halo Podcast. This sweet ear candy will serve up laughs and aha moments as we talk to best-in-class thought leaders. These folks are dropping gems of genius. I'm Melana Kapitz, CEO and founder of the Mom Halo community. I'm a fun, fearless, freckled mom with three wild kiddos. I love to introduce you to ideas and people that will rock your world all while laughing out loud because that is the only way to get through the daily grind of parenthood. Plug in your earphones and let's get to them. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Mom Halo podcast. I'm your host, Alana Kafitz, and I am super excited today to introduce you to my new friend, Melissa Cash is here. Woo! Welcome, <laughs> Melissa. Thank you. What a warm welcome. I'm so excited to be here. That's awesome. So why don't you take us through um, a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and where you're from. Kick it off, Melissa. Sure. I am Melissa Cash. I'm the co-founder and CEO at Pock Pock. We are a digital play company based here in Toronto. And our whole mission is really to help raise the next generation of creative thinkers through digital play experiences. And I'm from Toronto and I am in Toronto. <laughs> I love it. And normally this is where some of our friends and family would tell us that how many kids they have. Um, so why don't you share with our audience a little bit about your family situation? Sure. I am actually very excited to be expecting my first child. <laughs> After years working in the kids space, I'm finally entering a demographic as a parent. So yeah, my my first baby is due in May and um, yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> and a warm welcome to parenthood. Melissa and I met uh, in person for the first time recently at one of our scholar luncheons and she was just such a fan fabulous person to have around the table and um and she's just super pregnant and super uh, very carries herself well in pregnancy I'm gonna say you don't want to call a pregnant woman cute but very very <laughs> very you. well presented in pregnancy so tell us a little bit about Pock Pock we're very curious to learn more about this company tell us sure more okay yeah I'd love to so kind of a serendipitous journey how we got to start the company. But ultimately, I ended up meeting my co-founders, um, Mateus, Esther, Ryan, and Jordan. Um, we're a big group of people. But uh, um, we all met because we all share the same passion for digital play and education. So um, actually... Esther had just given birth to her second son. Um, Mateus is her husband, and they had a two-year-old at home already, and they were looking to find something out there that they could give him that would not only be fun and educational to do you know, on an iPad when they didn't have time to sit down and play with him, but also really you know, be an empowering experience for him that would help him develop a healthy relationship with technology. Because I think every parent's fear is like, my kid's going to get addicted to this. And so they started thinking about what they could do to mitigate that. And as two classically trained artists and animators, they thought that they would just come up with something on the weekends. And they started inventing this digital storybook, essentially, that was based on small illustrations that kids could tap, they would animate and make a gentle sound. And it would be kind of like a digital busy book. And that was around the time that I was introduced to them actually via my brother, who is the founder and CEO at another creative studio here in Toronto called Snowman. They make video games. And, um, you know, he's like, hey, you should meet Mateus and Esther. They're working on something for kids. And I had just finished working at the Walt Disney Company as a product designer for 
products specifically for this exact age group, so baby and toddler. So we got to talking, I saw some of the early illustrations, and we really all felt super inspired by this idea that kids can learn through play in a digital space that doesn't have to be, you know, a traditional video game. And I think one of the biggest pain points we all really identified was that so many of the kids apps out there were really highly addictive, overstimulating video games that weren't really designed for young kids or these very pedagogical kind of academic apps that have kids just memorizing and regurgitating a lot of the information that they're actually going to go on to learn in school anyway. And there's a huge gap for play-based learning. And as you know, as a parent, like the most important cognitive development happens when kids are under five and six years old and their brains are developing so quickly. And when they are going to be interacting on screens, we want to make sure that that time is being spent in a really valuable way. And so we came up with our app, Pock Pock Playroom, which is essentially designed to spark that innate curiosity and creativity that kids are naturally born with in a very sensory friendly, calm environment where there is no right or wrong. There are no menus. There is no language, no text. It's just very self-guided play that, you know, we've designed to be empowering for kids about two to six years old. So that was the inspiration for the company, how we got started and how we really built this mission around um, helping raise creative thinkers. So yeah, the app is available now on a uh, little plug on, um, That's okay. on That's uh, okay. iPad and iPhone. And yeah, we work with an amazing team of educators as well. So not just us, but it's a big, it's a big force behind this. Wow. Melissa, that is so much. I like, it's so inspiring, first of all, to see, um, you know, you know a husband-wife duo come up with something, see a pain point and address it. It's so interesting also, because you're also a pretty like notable person and sort of women in tech. Can you talk a little bit about that part of your sort of where you intersect there and how that sort of plays? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I've been, when I moved back to Toronto, because I lived in Germany for a big chunk of my professional career. When I came back to Toronto, I started working in tech and, um, you know, was just really inspired by a lot of the other women in the space who were moving the dial to help push push society forward essentially through really innovating cool technologies but also as a strong awesome women and um and so I really wanted to get involved in that community not only to further my own education and my own um really understanding of like what's possible in the space but also because I am now a woman who works in tech and I want to be able to tell this future child in my belly <laughs> that I suspect is a girl that uh you know will <laughs> that this is normal. Like seeing women in this space is not only normal, but it's amazing. And uh, there's so many killer things going on right now in the tech space, specifically coming from women. And I'm just proud to be a very, very small part of that. So for me, being being involved in the community, both locally here in Toronto, but also abroad is just critical to my own personal development, professional development, and in in supporting other women on their journeys, however I can. So brilliant. I am like, Melissa, I cannot wait. And this is my complete gut instinct is that once you have this kiddo and yourself <laughs> sort of become um, a parent and raise a baby and, and do all the things that are so amazing and wonderful and hard and whatever, like, I can't wait to see what you invent and what comes out <laughs> for the company based on your personal experience. I love it so much. Um, that's awesome. Tell us a little bit more then about, um, your time then at Disney and Mastermind, like what, what does it mean to make toys? Like, what does that even look like? 
That's such a good question. Like very early on. So I was, let me start at the beginning a little bit. Like I was very, a very creative kid um, and very terrible at a lot of the subjects in school that were deemed to be uncreative, but actually are some of the most creative. So for example, like math, I'm horrible at math still to this day, but the only way I could understand math was by approaching it from a completely different angle. Like I remember learning multiplication because a teacher finally sat down and showed me that five times five is just five groups of five things. So she's like, let's go get five things and let's make five groups of them. And it seems like such a simple anecdote, but creativity is not just the arts. There's so much more to it. And so when I started very young, I started working at Mastermind Educational. So all of the comedians out there will know this store. Um, I was only 14 or 15. And I worked there for three years during high school, which, you know, is a lifetime when you're a teenager. And it really opened my eyes to what quality educational toys are and why they're useful. And I spent a ton of time playing with the toys, talking to parents, learning about, you know, where their pain points were and getting to be kind of at the forefront of all of these really amazing toys that Mastermind was bringing into the world and and into Canada. So that really kind of sparked my first interest in this space. And then once I moved to Germany, I ended up working very serendipitously at at Disney and was hired to help design products for babies and toddlers. I wasn't so much working on the toy side anymore. I was working on sort of the other product side of things. So like anything from apparel to hardware, strollers, bottles, uh, so many different things. But I was immersed in, you know, Real, this environment that really helped spark my understanding of what kids need at different age groups. And it really all comes down to the fact that kids are naturally born curious. And this is something I think we really underestimate as adults because we lose it. I mean, as you grow up, you're like, why is the sky blue? Like, I don't know, like look it up on Google if you really care, but no one's, yeah. no one's asking these questions anymore. And so if you spend time with young kids, which another reason why I'm so excited to be a parent and just like feel it full time is because they they know what's interesting and fun and they have no fear when they're asking questions about the world and and there's just so much possibility there so after spending almost 5 years working at Disney I really got to learn you know not only what the company was doing at a high level to help further you know a creative education and creative you know kind of environment for kids because Disney can mean a million different things <laughs> but also it really helped show me that, you know, kids are really the future. And I I suppose every generation says this, but I think in our time, it's more true than ever because things are changing so quickly with technology and our kids are going to grow up to have jobs that haven't even been invented yet. And the jobs that, you know, you and I have today could be taken over by AI or, or other types of tech. So we have to kind of watch our backs and think about how we're preparing our kids to grow up in a world that we have no idea what it's going to look like. So I yeah. think skills like creativity and problem solving and social emotional learning, these are all such important pillars that we can give them now and they'll hopefully carry with them through life. I mean, I can't imagine someone better to invent a kiddo's game than somebody who spent their life at Mastermind and Disney. Talk about <laughs> a freaking resume lady. Um, and I'm, I, it's so interesting for me as I've gone through parenthood and seen the world through my kids lens. I also totally believe, and I'm amazed at their wonderment, especially in that sort of under five is super amazing and delicious. I'm also amazed about how well they're good at technology. My 18 month old knows how to swipe an iPhone, had no interest at all. And then one day 
through the osmosis of Elmo is all of a sudden like, you know, so highly. So tell me about that. A kid's intuitive understanding of something simple like YouTube kids or iPads. I think I read somewhere that Coco Melon, which is a popular YouTube video, um, literally makes their um, cuts in their scenes like one to three seconds. So it keeps kids like hyper. What's the challenge with addictive technology? Like, so what? Like, why does that even matter? Talk to me about it. Why does? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a big can of worms. I mean, it matters because because at, at this age, kids' brains are doing a lot of really interesting things, and they're developing really quickly. And I'm just going to disclaimer that I'm not a neuroscientist, although we do work with one. <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's pretty crazy to think about what they're exposed to. And you're right; it's so intuitive. Before the iPad and the iPhone phones were harder to use. Like it wasn't as easy as it is today, but they're so simply designed and and so intuitive that literally, yeah, like a one and a half year old can pick one up and, and go like buy something on Amazon. Probably they, they can't read, so they don't know what they're buying, but it, it can happen. And I think it's a, it's a testament to the way that some amazing designers can, can make products, but also it's, it can be scary because as a parent, you're like, uh Oh, you know, is this bad? Is my kid watching too much TV or are they looking at the screen for too long? And I remember when we grew up, my parents were worried, you know, our brains might rot if we watch too much television. But I think it comes down to a few things. One is the pacing, like you mentioned. So yeah, Coco Melon, there are a couple of other ones out there where it is the cuts are really quite quick and kids aren't necessarily attuned to that speed just yet it's why if you watch these like evergreen tv shows like mr dress up for example they feel like so slow and you're like oh my god but actually as a child it's the perfect pace because for them at this really quick these really quick cuts and these really flashy animations and bright colors give them hits of dopamine and that gives them this like really instant big rush of excitement and then there's usually a crash after and something we've tried to do in Pop Pop is kind of the opposite. It's why, you know, we hand draw every animation frame by frame, why we record all of our sounds here in Toronto by hand, because it has to be slower and more gentle. Otherwise, kids will have, you know, a reaction. And it could be, it could be negative or positive. Every child is different. Every child's sensory stimulation and different um, and sensory levels are very different. So what could rile up one child could actually soothe another. So it can be pretty complicated. But I think, you know, the main thing I would say is just to use your gut. If you're watching something that feels like it's too much, or you're playing with an app that feels like it's too much, then it's probably too much. Um, and if you're looking at something that feels like maybe it's a little bit slow or a little bit boring for an adult, it's probably just right for, for your toddler. It's so interesting you say that because I, I see my own kiddos and my pediatrician and so many medical professionals are so anti-screen, like zero screen time, unless it's like travel, like on an airplane or really reserved for like, you know, Zoom education or like FaceTime with grandparents and stuff like that. They're so anti this sort of stuff. And I see my own kids. It is such a slippery slope. And, you know, pre-pandemic, yeah. we were so strict with screen time. Um, but I see it. I see it manifest in my own kid's life. And I hate to say it, like we're pretty liberal with iPads and screen time in this house out of bare necessity, but mm -hmm. I see a complete difference in my kids when we're like no screen time and they sort of then accept the fact there's no screen sign. And I actually find the times when we say no screen time, 
is when they're actually more engaged, happier, better kiddos. Like I, I don't, I don't have an issue with people and how I'm not saying this is a judgment. I'm just saying literally for my first hand example, like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it is a slippery slip. And now my, my one and a, my almost 20 month old, he's 20 months old today. Like he will look at the like Google, like nest screen and say like, Melmo, Melmo, like signing (laughs) more and more and more Melmo, Melmo. And he, we have like started this with him now. And I'm like, oh yeah, I've like opened up a can of words with this kid. Um, <laughs> I have to be completely honest. Like one may argue that the, like the reason TikTok is so successful or Snapchat or now Instagram reels is because it's the exact same thing as for adults. Yeah. We are just giving ourselves this dopamine hit of like a seven second video yeah. and then moving on to more content. So tell us a little bit about that. What is What do you know about that, Melissa? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're totally right. And I think that, it's, it's like funny how you say that, you know, it's like you're, you're almost like ashamed to admit how much screen time you might allow. But I think, you know, I, I wouldn't want you to feel bad because it's something that has just a really bad reputation for many reasons. I think it's, there, there are definitely some aspects of the screen that can be like inherently bad, especially for kids under two. Yeah. But um, I think that a lot of it has to do with the content and the amount. So for example, like you can go watch TV and you can watch this like amazing educational David Attenborough documentary, or you can watch storage wars. <laughs> like, and those yeah. are two very different experiences. And for kids, you know, it's the same. It's like, what are they doing on the device? Are they just endlessly scrolling through something that they can't even absorb? Are they highly engaged in watching something really educational? Are they playing? Are they in control? Are they not in control? There's just so many layers to this. It's really not a black and white issue, but one of our goals with PocPoc in general as a company is to help empower parents to feel a little better about this because there are ways to introduce screen time where it's not something that has to be, you know, this like guilt ridden experience because yes. parenting is hard enough as it is. So I hear, and I, I, I know I'm going to come back to you in a few months and be like, Oh my God, Atlanta, I'm dying. But I cannot I think- wait, Melissa. Honestly, I just put it up and I cannot wait. <laughs> but I, I think it. like what I've learned from my co-founders and, and all my other teammates and friends and family with kids is that everyone's just doing their best. And I think when it comes to the content is where, where things really matter and also how, how much you use it and, and what the, what the boundaries are that you put around it in your own home, like to each their own, you know, I, I have 100%. friends who grew up watching a ton of TV and they turned out fine. And I have friends that were not allowed to have a TV and they also turned out fine. So I think it's a matter of understanding your own kids and what their needs are and just being mindful of what they're doing on these devices and making sure that it's safe because as I'm sure you know, like, you know, for example, mom Halo is amazing, has an amazing presence on Instagram. Like I know I pop in there all the time. I'm like, what's Alana doing today? What's everyone, what's happening? And I, I'm a hundred thousand percent addicted mm-hmm. uh, and it's bad. But I think the main reason I'm addicted is because it's so fast. There's so much going on, so much stimuli. I'm not opening my Instagram to like meditate. <laughs> I'm opening it to be <laughs> to be stimulated and overwhelmed almost. It's like, it's like crack. And I think that when when it comes to kids screen time and apps in general, or even things like YouTube, it's just about finding the content that feels safe and okay for you. And I think a big part of that is knowing who makes your content and why they're making that and who's behind the entire mission. Because yeah, there's broccoli and there's candy. So you're right. It's just about a balance and candy's okay once in a while. <laughs> I love that. I think, it, 
I think it's so interesting you say it that way. Um, and I'm just honestly downloading Pock Pock Playroom right now um, <laughs> on my phone. And I'm going to put on my kids' apps today as well. Um, it's so beautiful. Tell me about the, It's really gorgeous. Tell me about the illustration. Why does hand drawing matter? And now, a word from our mom, Halo, podcast sponsor. Who needs superheroes when we have moms? Nellie's isn't just cute packaging. Nellie's is on a mission to be the global favorite for planet-friendly cleaning. Nellie's strives to make planet-friendly, simple, and honest products for the whole home. Make the switch to green cleaning today using code HALO25 off your purchase. Excludes bundles, sets, and sale items. We are all searching for meaning and purpose in our lives. Here at Canadian Surrogacy Community, we strive to do just that. As a woman, you have the power to change the lives in one in six couples who experience infertility in Canada. You have the opportunity to help create families for those who cannot do it alone. We support families building families and are looking for empowered women to become surrogates or egg donors to make an impact on the many couples facing infertility. Did you know that having a child through egg donation and surrogacy is one of the only ways for a same-sex couple to start a family? Reach out now to learn more. Tell me about the illustration. Why does hand drawing matter? Those are great questions. And thank you for saying that. That's all Esther and her husband, Mateus. Um, they came up with the art style and Esther kind of leads the charge as our chief creative officer. It's really unique. We only use 12 colors com- total in the app, but we have we, we primarily focus on red, yellow, and blue, the primary colors, just to make sure it's gentle and also you know, quite a gender neutral experience. Um, the animation style is a really interesting question. I actually learned about this while working with them, which is like animations can happen at so many different paces. There's tons of different types of animation. If you go see like Spider-Man, it's a very different experience than watching Peppa Pig, for example, for anyone whose kids watch Peppa. Um, and they're all unique and different, but most Animation today is made through computer generated, what's called rigging. So it just means like um, designers and artists are putting together different movements and attaching them to certain visuals. And it's supported by the computer. Some of it's completely CGI. Um, With Pock Pock, we wanted the whole product to feel more like a storybook come to life or honestly like a wooden toy come to life. We're very inspired by all of these like kind of Montessori wooden toys that you know a lot of us grew up with and so when it came to animation Esther and and Mateus decided that the best way to move forward is through hand drawing which is what like literally Walt Disney did that in the 1940s like it's painfully slow it's very (laughs) archaic actually it was tough to find and build our animation team because not that many animators actually practice that art form anymore the same way that they used to and so when you look at, for example, like we have a cheetah in our, we have a digital busy book. It was the exact like first idea of Pock Pock that I mentioned, but you can find an icon, tap it, and it'll animate, make a sound. The cheetah took two weeks to animate. It has thousands of dots on it. So it just means you're making animation like a flip book. So you draw it once, then you draw it again, and you move something slightly and then you try it again and then you move something slightly on our Instagram we actually share how we make our animations and there's this really cute one from 
uh, this dinosaur update we just did last month. And yeah, it's a very arduous process, but it's really important to us to make it feel very gentle and, and not overstimulating in any way. This is so beautiful. I'm literally playing with it right now. I just bought the year membership. <laughs> Um, Excellent. Um, I just bought it right now while we're talking. Um, and I'm sure we'll throw a pom- promo or something out or do some sort of something. Yeah, for, for sure. For pilot. sure. This is beautiful. Like, I feel it's like a calm play. It's super nice. I think I'd be totally comfortable with my kids playing with this. This feels very Montessori, like very free form and beautiful colors. And it feels like I'm playing. It feels like I'm really playing. I'm just touching all the little pieces here and the interactions of the noises and almost like the actual touch and feel of this is, is very like almost soothing. I would say it feels like meditative. Was that intentional? Thank you. Absolutely. Yes. We spent two years developing the app before releasing it. And now we update it about once a month, but those two years were really spell, spent finessing this, finessing this feeling you're describing, which is like soothing meditative play, but that's still interesting and engaging because as you know, like toddlers can lose interest pretty quickly. So we wanted to make sure it was compelling without being addictive and it was stimulating without being overstimulating. So we worked really hard on that as designers, but we also brought in support through our educational advisors. So we work with, for example, like a pediatric occupational therapist, a neuroscientist, teachers, professors, um, kind of just a bunch of different experts in their field who can help make sure we're getting this balance just right. Because like you said, you want it to feel like play. And that's the point. It's it's really just free and open-ended. There's no right or wrong and there's nothing to win or lose. So when it's time to have dinner and your, your child has to put the device away, it's there's less likely chance for them to have a meltdown or be upset about it because there's not just one more level to beat or one more apple to collect. It's just, oh, okay, this is going to be exactly where I left it when I come back. So it's it's a super child-led experience, which also very conveniently means parents don't have to actually be involved. Like you could put this in front of your toddler for 20 minutes and go take a shower and they won't get stuck because there are no menus or pop-ups or ads or anything that they're, that's going to get into the way of their play. So um, it's very empowering for them too, because they get to feel in control. You know, they don't get to make them any decisions in the day, but they do get to decide how they play with Pock Pock. And um, if a parent or teacher does want to get involved, there are plenty of ways to help deepen the learning by like talking to your kids or asking them questions through the play. But not necessary because let's be honest like people don't have time they just don't and most parents turn to screen time when they need a break or a nap or they're on a plane or something or their kids are home for multiple weeks with no end in sight because of COVID I'm playing with this I'm like in a (laughs) trance myself with how the integration of this particular thing where I'm building I guess like bears or something it's super cute um, I'm going to totally give this to my kiddos to play with. I'm completely in love with this. I think it's adorable. Um, tell me what's your dream for this app. What's your dream? So our dream really goes far beyond this app, to be honest. When we started the company, we thought a lot about, like I said, the future of education and our kids. And when we started the company in 2019, there was no pandemic. Like this was a totally unheard of circumstance. And then when COVID hit, we were like, oh my God, education is about to change forever. So for us, you know, we really see this as just the beginning. We would love to continue building 
creative play-based products for kids of many different ages that are centered around technology, but in a really calm, beautiful and empowering way where they can feel, you know, really stimulated, but safe and parents don't have to feel guilty. So if you ask me, I would say like, we're going to be the next Lego, but we want to start Now, imagine like if Lego started today, what kind of company would they be? They would be digital first, but they would still have the fierce focused mission of play-based learning and, you know, empowering kids and all of those wonderful things. So, you know, I hope that in in a couple of years time, we are, you know, we have a lot more apps than just this one. And uh, we're hopefully making our very small dent in the universe and doing what we can to help, help kids and families learn through technology in a healthy way. I love it so much. I think it's so it's so it's so important, right? Because I think like there's arguments on both sides, and I, I see this now. I mean, I have kids who are ages one and three and five, so I'm like really in the thick of this time where we do rely on our iPads a bit just for some calm and yeah. in our day, and also we try to put parameters around it. So our parameters that we think are super healthy is they can watch Monday through Friday before school, not after school. So they can have it in the morning when they wake up, as long as they're not waking up extra early to ask for it. Um, which they don't, then we allow them to have some TV before the beginning of school. And then we really try to put like no TV or screen time at the end of the day. So that's one parameter. And then the other parameter is we sort of let them have a free for all on Saturday. They can watch as much as they want whenever they want, um, as long as we take breaks. So like for us, I know this sounds like a lot, but sometimes we'll let them watch like upwards of like two hours or two and a half hours. Um, But we try to like watch with them and my son's my son who's five will say, Mommy, watch this with me. I want to show you something. Um, mm-hmm. so that's our one thing. Now we don't do a ton of games. We've been trying to get them to play chess. My son actually is five and is actually a very good chess player. So we get wow. him playing chess on the iPad, which is good. Um, yeah, my son is like a game guy. My my husband has a degree in mathematics, and I think my son has his mind. Um, he I taught him how to play blackjack, he knows how to do that. Yeah, he's I just saw that it. on Instagram. That was wild. He's so cute. Uh, he's so cute. And when we play, he goes, hit me, baby. Like I taught him hit and stay and it was just anecdotally my friend Viola who's uh like our kids are the same age um they came over to our cottage a few months ago and she brought a deck of cards and she's like do you want to play war do you want to play spit she's like he goes can we play blackjack and she looked at him she looked at me she goes did he just uh he can play I can't even play blackjack I was like he likes to count he knows how to count to 21 what can I say it's not so hard um so you know I think as folks, as parents, we tend to as- underestimate our kiddos. So I think for me, putting protections around um, screen time and just having any boundaries at all is important. And we really try to download some cool apps on our kids' um, technology and stuff like that so that they can use it. I have some friends who don't let their kids watch TV at all, not a lick of screen time. Um, and that's just their kids' lifestyles. Um, I have some friends who just allow kids to use it in car rides, plane rides, anything where they're driving places. Um, mm. And it's sort of that like protected in those moments. And I have some friends who don't allow any handheld technology at all. They're allowed to watch television on a TV. They're allowed to watch computer screens. They're allowed to watch, um, but nothing in which they are controlling and like having this sort of the tapping um vortex where they get pulled in and they can't get out of tap, 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 which I am super guilty of. And so is my husband. So I think for me and what just completely admittedly, it's hard for me sometimes because I'm super addicted to my phone. Like I'm the first Mm -hmm. to admit how addicted I am to technology is we like try to school our kids, like put the phones down, no app time screen. And then me and my husband are sitting there on our goddamn phones. So my kids are probably (laughs) like, fuck man. Like what kind of example is that? Right. So I think we had to be so, so hyper aware of it. 
And COVID has really made this super bad, right? Because on Saturdays, they'd be in extracurricular activities and having playdates and every day after school, we'd be seeing a friend or whatever it is. And that has been completely replaced by this. So that's one anecdotal piece from sort of my age and stage of parenthood that I'm noticing sort of personified Mm. during COVID. What do you think about that, Melissa? Yeah, I think think you're exactly where everybody else is, honestly. Like this is what I talk to people about every single day. We have a lot of dialogue with our users and also the play testers we work with to build the app. And the sentiments are identical. Like it's, first of all, COVID made everything way harder. And before that, it was already really hard. So I, my heart really goes out to every parent out there who's surviving COVID because it's it's not, it can't be easy. Like it just can't be, it's crazy. And I think when it comes to screen time, you're right. Like you're going to meet so many different people and they all are going to have their own mantra and their own rules and their own parameters that work for their family. And it's the kind of thing you have to look inward and think what works for me. Like when I... When I meet people with my giant pregnant belly, everyone has advice and it's, and everyone is telling me, don't take anyone's advice. Just follow your heart. You know, like just follow your gut and and don't listen to anybody. And I kind of feel like it's the same for screen time. Like everyone is being bombarded with fear mongering. There's like New York times articles about it. And, and then there's also this like, screw it. It's COVID. Just do whatever you can to get through the day. So there's just sentiments all over the map. And I think at the end of the day, it's like any parenting thing, you have to do what feels right. And, you know, there are a few things in place that people can be mindful of is number one, what is your child actually doing? So is it passive? Is it active? And then if it's active screen time, you know, what are they doing? Is it something very fast paced where they're going to get that tap, 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 tap addiction, or is it slow? Is it, is it something that they control or something that the game controls? And, and I think, um, like our pediatric occupational therapist, her name is Laura Petit. She's amazing. She's, um, you can find her on Instagram at the OT butterfly. She taught us that when it comes to sound specifically, which can be a very difficult sensory trigger for many kids when they control, yes, when they control the sound themselves, it's a lot easier for them to take it. For example, if you're sitting in your house, this happens to me every morning, my husband starts grinding coffee and it wakes me up and it's like, eh, like seven o'clock. Oh my God. Day. Talk about a relatable moment. That's my yeah. life every day. And Fuck you like, your fucking grinder, man. What are you yeah. doing? I know. I swear. I don't drink coffee and I'm just like, shut the fuck up. It's so early. I'm like, you, you better enjoy this. Cause the second the baby comes, you can't do that anymore. Like I'll kill you anyway. So that's the kind of thing that like rips me out of sleep. I'm like sweating. I'm angry. I wake up. I'm pissed. I'm like, what the fuck's going yeah. on? Um, it sets me off. But if I decide, Hey, I'm going to make you a coffee today, honey. And I go put the grinder on, I can brace myself. And I know like, okay, a loud noise is about to happen. Get ready. And it seems kind of crazy, but actually at a cognitive level, and it it almost like sparks a fight or flight thing. And when you're, when you're looking at a video game or a loud action movie or something, sometimes you can really feel that when a big noise or a big splash, like visually come out of nowhere, it can be startling. And I think for a lot of kids, it can be overstimulating. And that's when it doesn't help, especially if you have a sensory sensitive child. So when they're in control of the sounds, 
it's a very different story. They know, oh, if I'm going to tap something, it's probably going to make a little sound. But the the soundscape that we've built is very soft. So they learn very quickly, like they're not going to get attacked by anything loud at any moment. Well, it, it's but not it's even that it's so hands. soft. It's beautiful. Like I'm like, oh, that looks <laughs> such like a, the cutest little animations, little beeps and bops I've ever heard. I love it. <laughs> yeah, our sound designer, Matt, is incredible. He spends his life like tapping apples and chopsticks together or like going to value village and finding old toys and recording them or he he's honestly like unbelievable our whole team is but the sound specifically a lot of thought goes into that because again not only do kids need to control the sound but they also need to you know feel soothed by it not you know made to like it shouldn't shouldn't like throw them off their game because that's when it becomes again more of the dopamine hitting so yeah, these are just all kind of things that we've worked with our advisors to help build. And and it it's what parents should just think about when they're looking at these things. Like, it's not going to kill your child to watch Coco Melon. It's, it's really not. But, you know, just thinking about balancing different experiences, just like you would as an adult. Like, some days you're probably like, okay, honey, let's put our phones away and go to the cottage and unplug for 24 hours because you feel like you need that. And kids may not have the wherewithal or the ability to articulate that need as toddler. So it's up to us as parents to have to say, okay, this is, this is the break now, or this is the time for it. And just, you know, be, be gentle and have grace with yourself because it isn't easy and we're in a pandemic and there's a lot of overstimulating stuff out there that frankly, we're all pretty addicted to. So our goal is to try to help not only fix that in terms of content, but also change the narrative a little, like let's support each other and not make parents feel bad about the fact that they're turning to YouTube and on a Saturday afternoon, like they can turn to YouTube. Like don't, don't feel bad about that. Like (laughs) you're still a good parent, you know, it's just about, yeah, we want to really make sure that people can come out of this pandemic without too, too much animosity for these things. Cause ultimately they're just tools. Like if, if the generations before us had them, they would have used them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You better bet your bottom dollar that like my daughter, my sister and I, when we were kids used to like destroy VHSs, like destroy like what a VHS is called a tape for those of you who might not know what I'm saying. <laughs> I had to take it down. And like a tape was something you put into a machine and we'd watch things so much that we'd, they would break. Like we, we broke many movies because we watched them so many times. So technology is a slippery slope. And I think you're right. I think the biggest thing that I want people, my biggest aha moment today is this conversation is like, I think you really reassured to me, Melissa, like, you know, um, everything is good in moderation, including moderation a bit. And I think when it comes to technology, like we can be gentle with ourselves and I'm not going to be like hard and fast on this, but I do know that my kids love their screen time. They ask for it quite often. If I threw out every toy in the house and they just had that, they would be fine. Um, (laughs) But I don't want that reality for them. I want them to be able to like explore and be creative and use those blocks and do whatever, Um, you know? And I think, you know, um, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about other things that I'm seeing now with some of my friends whose kids are beyond the six to, you know, under eight years old. I'm seeing like the nine-year-old tween stuff mm-hmm. happening with giving kids cell phones and some online bullying that are completely like, it's shocking what some kiddos are doing now and experiencing. And then like sort of the early teens, 14, 15, 16, it is bananas, the new like levels of online bullying and way that people are using technology, not, yeah. not just screens, not just apps, but like, um, 
girl on girl meanness happening amongst teenage girls in a variety of different ways that I'm really seeing sort of firsthand and how messy this stuff can get. So I think just as our parents, as parents, we can do what we can to sort of put our kiddos into um, the ecosystem with as many tools and skills as possible. Um, And so much of this actually ends up on mom. You know what I mean? Like we are become the the gatekeepers and the ones who even care about this stuff and the ones listening to the podcast for the advice and guidance. So I think, you know, um, Oh God, there was so much unpacking from this pock pock conversation with you. My God, Melissa, <laughs> who knew, who knew this little app was going to open up this can of worms. Um, that's where I'm, I'm looking forward towards those things too, but I'm really excited for this app for you. It's beautiful. Congratulations to you and your t- crazy team of co-founders who are like, what a crazy skill set that whole community has. Um, and I think you're very inspirational and I can't wait for you to join the ranks of mama hood and this experience you're about to embark on. I just want to wrap us up here today. Melissa, tell us if there's one piece of advice you want people to hear today, what do you want them to hear if they hear nothing else? Take it. I would say there's two things. One is just remember the curiosity that your kids have and try to embrace it and, and really feed it however you possibly can, whether that's with technology or not, because it's going to go away at some point when they grow up to be adults like us. So it's such a beautiful thing that we can really learn from as adults too, and let them pull you out of your day to day by asking you why caterpillars are sometimes green and sometimes brown. And then also the other thing is just yeah, go easy on yourself. Follow your gut when it comes to assessing screen time in general, whether that's an app or the TV or YouTube or going to a movie theater, even just do what you feel is right. And if you have questions, you know, we're always here to help answer them however we can, either me and my team or through our educational advisors that we work with. You know, nobody has the the one right answer here. It's a very complex conversation as I feel like people have now heard and yeah just come easy on yourselves because it's really hard and in a few months when I'm a mom too I will probably come back and be like yeah it's really hard (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I mean I I think you know there's lots of there's lots to to think about and look forward to for you of course um tell me now Melissa if somebody wants to download this app or follow Pock Pock or follow the key players just tell us now we'll add it to the show notes where can we find everybody Awesome. Yeah, thank you. So Pock Pock Playroom is the name of the app. It's available currently only on iOS. So that's iPad or iPhone. There's a two-week free trial. So you can give it a whirl with your kids and see if it feels good or feel, you know, if you like it. Um, and then after that, it's a subscription. And that's because we update the app rigorously about every four to six weeks with brand new toys and updates to existing toys. So there's lots of added value there and just helps keeps kids curious. And you can find us at playpockpock.com or at playpockpock on all social media channels. But we're most active these days on Instagram and have a really nice community of budding parents there. So would encourage you to stop by. And if anyone wants to follow me or what I'm doing, <laughs> I like to post anecdotes about all this fun stuff over on Twitter. And I'm at Melissa Cash underscore. So Melissa Cash underscore on Twitter. I love that so much, guys. Melissa, thank you so much for being here with us today. Remind us all, when is your expected due date? Oh, May 12th. <laughs> May 12th. Okay. Yeah, two months. <laughs> We're coming down to the wire for you. Well, we will all be here cheering you on from the sidelines as you enter into the new uh, phase that is mamahood. And I think I have to say, like, you're a very smart um, woman and very engaging to talk 
talk to, you really know your stuff and you seem like you're such a competent and awesome founder, tech CEO and, and partner for this brand and product. If you want to check it out on TikTok, you'll really, I mean, on TikTok, on um, Instagram, you'll really get a good sense of what the look and feel is, or just literally go download it. It's like 75 bucks for, I think the year. Um, and that is a very good price for it out with that much stuff in it um and I really really enjoyed playing with it with the little time I did today on the phone with you I'm definitely gonna (laughs) uh, throw this into my kids ecosystem so they can start playing with it Melissa thank you so much my friend feel great and thank you for your podcast today I really appreciate it thank you thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure bye everybody (laughs) bye Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mom Halo podcast, I'd love your support by sharing it with others, posting about us on social, or leaving a really good rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at the Mom Halo. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Sick Kids is helping redefine what's possible in pediatrics. Also, children can lead healthier, happier lives. In 2021, Project Halo raised over $150,000 to help build a new sick kids designed to better serve patients and families. This will include spaces devoted to parents and caregivers, spaces to feel calm, relief, and rest. We are calling on our community again this year to join us in helping build a state-of-the-art hospital. Together, there are no limits to what we can achieve. To learn more and to donate, go to fundraise.sickkidsfoundation.com backslash Project Mom Halo. Thank you for your generosity and support.